Well, good morning, everyone. Um, welcome to session three of the Fast Forward Weekend. Um, to give you a quick recap, as I say, we're in session three. Yesterday morning, um, Phil encouraged us to be empowered by being in his presence and to avoid being like an out-of-date hula hoop. If you weren't here for that, please, please ask him. He will be very pleased to tell you what that was about. But in summary, it was about really avoiding being stale and moldy Christians and being filled by the Spirit. Yesterday evening, Adam spoke about prophecy, his hatred of Lynx Africa, and we practiced sharing words and pictures to strengthen, encourage, and comfort each other. And as you've heard, this morning's session is all about um, healing, and in particular, physical healing. And just to be clear, this isn't going to be your normal three-point classic sermon with an opportunity to be prayed for by the enabling team at the end. This is going to be far more practical. Although we'll examine the biblical basis for healing, we're going to consider how to pray for healing. Then we're actually going to pray for one another for healing. And the enabling team will be here to enable us to do that with a bit of guidance if we need it. So you may be aware that chapter one of the official church manual on how to give talks tells you to start a story, uh, tells you to start with a story which will grab people's interest. Fine. As part of our prayer ministry at Shiloh, we've been praying for people. And this, if I could have Annie, please, is just one example of what God has been doing over the last couple of months. Ooh. <laughs> um, Simon just asked me to share something that happened at Opfest in the summer. Um, I attended um, a seminar that Simon ran on um, helping us to pray, to intercede for other people. It's, it's an area I've always found difficult, so um, I decided to go along. And um, at that seminar, um, we were put into groups of three, and Simon asked for people to volunteer to be prayed for. So I... Um, I thought I, I went forward as a volunteer because some of you, most of you probably know that over the last couple of years, I've really struggled with my face. I've had a lot of pre-cancer cells and things. I've had a couple of face peels and it hasn't been very nice, but uh, I've, I've had a struggle. And just before that seminar, I'd just realized that it, the, the trouble was coming back again on my nose. My nose was uh, beginning to feel um, as though I'd need treatment again. So I'd made a doctor's appointment for a couple of days uh, after the seminar. Um, so I went forward and um, I was in a group. Denise was our leader and guide. And there was another lady there who I didn't know. And she just said that she came along to one of the Shiloh cafes. And uh, she, she said she would um, pray for me. And Denise spoke her through how to pray for me. So very simple prayer. She just prayed that I would be healed, basically. <laughs> and um, uh, then I, then we swapped over and I prayed for her for something else. And, um, and, and that, and that was all that she did say to me, I really believe you're going to be healed. And anyway, I didn't think much more about it. The next day I woke up and, uh, I realized that my nose was actually clear. Uh, I couldn't feel any of those cells that I, that I usually feel. And, um, I, I thought, I thought about cancelling my doctor's appointment, but I thought, no, I'll, I'll go anyway. So I went along to the doctor and um, he examined my nose and he said, you've just got one tiny uh, problem area, which it won't need drastic treatment like I've had before. He said, I'll just freeze it off. So I said, well, thank you. Then I summoned the courage to tell him 
um, that I'd been prayed for. I said, would you mind just checking again? Because I said there definitely was something there. And um, I, I, I don't know what, what you think about it, but I was prayed for at a meeting at the weekend. And uh, he had a sort of wry smile on his face and he checked it. And he said, no, you are absolutely clear. And so he just froze off the one little spot that was left. So I really believe God healed uh, through that lady that I didn't know and very simple prayer. Thank Amazing. You. Thank you very much. Great, thank you, Annie. So, we've already answered the first question on the fast-forward brochure. Brochure, does God still heal today with a resounding yes? But let's dig a little bit uh, deeper. Now, I've given you all some handouts you may have noticed under your chairs. In essence, it's just to give you a bit of a framework about what we're talking about today. And to be honest, if you want to check out what I'm saying, I've given you the Bible verses there so you can actually read it for yourselves and and decide whether or not what I'm saying actually um, stacks up. But as you'll see, the headlines of the first part of this session are that God's will is to heal, God chooses to partner with us to heal, and God gives us his power and authority to heal. So let's start at the very beginning, a very good place to start. The first point is, I didn't think it would get that reaction, that's excellent. Um, (laughs) The first point is God's will is to heal. Now, in the Lord's Prayer, Jesus taught us to pray using the following words. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, which is in Matthew 6. But how do we know it's God's will to heal? The Bible gives us a couple of clues. In the Old Testament, God calls himself Jehovah Rapha, which means the God who heals. It's in his nature to bring wholeness. In the New Testament, we're told that in heaven... There is no death or mourning or crying or pain. It's in Revelation 21. So where God's will is done perfectly, there is no illness. And unsurprisingly, you may think, Jesus' ministry confirms what God's will is. Jesus healed many people with all sorts of illnesses, including fever, paralysis, blindness, deafness, leprosy. He even brought back to life people like Lazarus who died from sickness. And Jesus didn't just heal one person on one occasion and then just get on with other things. He healed many times. So in Matthew 10, a large crowd followed Jesus and he healed all who were sick. In Luke 4, the people brought to Jesus all who had various kinds of sickness and laying his hands on each one, he healed them. And in Luke 6, the people who'd come near to Jesus and be healed of their diseases all tried to touch him because power was coming from him and healing them all. This is why there isn't a prayer for healing recorded in the Bible, which includes the words, if it be your will. It is God's will to heal. And the question, why is it God's will to heal, has a very simple answer. As Mark 1 tells us, Jesus was willing to heal because he was filled with compassion. God loves us, and he is our good father who wants us to be whole. So that's God's will is to heal. Second point. God chooses to partner with us to heal, which links with what um, Adam said last night. Jesus' earthly mission was to bring the kingdom of God, and he selected 12 disciples to share in his ministry. So in Matthew 10, which I think we've um, got on the screen, as Jesus sent the 12 out, he said, As you go, proclaim this message. The kingdom of heaven has come near. Heal those who are ill. 
raise the dead, cleanse those who have leprosy, drive out demons, freely you have received, freely give. And Jesus later sent out a further 72 disciples with similar instructions. So Jesus partnered with the disciples. Great. What about us? Well, when giving the Great Commission, Jesus told the 11 to make disciples in all the nations and also to teach them to do all the things I have told you. As Jesus is recorded as sending out his disciples to heal on at least three occasions and undoubtedly more, I think it's clear that we are called to do the same. And that's why in Acts we see Philip, Ananias, Peter and Paul all praying for healing and why the epistle of James talks about how we pray for healing. It is considered completely normal for Christians to do this as God has chosen to partner with us to heal. Point three, God gives us his power and authority to heal. Now, you might be thinking at this point, well, if Jesus really expects me to partner with him in healing, he'll need to give me some help. So let's try to find out how his very human disciples healed people like he did. Now, describing the same incident as Matthew 10, Luke 9 um, says this, When Jesus had called the twelve together, he gave them power and authority to drive out all demons and to cure diseases, and he sent them out to proclaim the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. So they set out and went from village to village, proclaiming the good news and healing people everywhere. So the answer how his disciples did it is very simple. Jesus gave disciples power and authority. And in this context, power means the ability to heal, and authority means the right to use that ability to heal. So because Jesus gave his disciples the power and the authority to heal, and they went out and used that power and authority, people were healed. But what about us? Before Jesus returned to heaven, he explained, very truly I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing, and they will do even greater things than these because I am going to the Father. I'll read that again. Jesus said, very truly, I tell you, talking to the disciples, whoever believes in me, not just the disciples, will do the works I have been doing and they will do even greater things than these because I am going to the Father. Now you might think that's quite a statement and of course, it also underlines that Jesus expects us to partner with him in his mission. But we can do this because all authority has been given to Jesus, Matthew 28, and he sent the Holy Spirit into the world to empower us. As we saw yesterday, that's what we were praying for in the morning. Jesus gives us the same authority and the same power through the Holy Spirit so that we can continue his mission to bring the kingdom of God which includes healing the sick. So, if God's will is to heal, God wants to partner with us to heal, and God gives us power and authority to heal, we can have faith that he will do as he says. And we can, as Chrissy was saying this morning, expect that he will use us to heal. That's a relatively brief overview of why I'd say, yes, this is not just for the disciples, not just for Jesus, it's for all of us. So now I want to have a quick look at how we pray for healing. And there are some important principles we need to keep in mind when we're praying for other people. 
Firstly, we value the cross of Jesus. When we pray for healing, it's not about how holy or spiritual we are. And it's not even about how holy or spiritual the person we're praying for is. It's all about God's love and God's grace. None of us earn healing. Secondly, we value the Bible as the word of God. So when we pray for healing, we follow the model of Jesus. Now, the evangelist Smith Wigglesworth was sometimes known to punch the person he was praying for, and they would still be healed. However, I have a very simple rule. If Jesus didn't do it, we don't do it. If anything, he gently laid a hand on a person and used a word of command. So that's what we do. In a moment, I'll demonstrate a helpful model with my willing assistant uh, to use when we're praying for other people and explain what I mean by a word of command. Thirdly, we value the person and the work of the Holy Spirit. When we pray for healing, it's God who does it. This is really key, I think. And the best way to explain this is to imagine that we are waiters in a restaurant. We can take the order, but only the chef can make the food. Here, we ask what the person wants God to do, and we take it to him, but it's up to him what he does. This means that whether someone is healed is God's responsibility, not ours. That doesn't mean you know, we, we don't pray our best prayer. It doesn't mean we don't follow the model. It doesn't mean that we're not obedient, but it's up to him. In some ways, we don't have to take on the burden when nothing appears to happen. Oh, it's something I did wrong. Actually, God is in control. And I'll come back to that in a second. But as I say, although I'll demonstrate a useful model in a moment, there isn't a specific technique to perfect, as Annie was telling us about the lady, literally, be healed. And neither is there a formula to guarantee success. Now, finally, when we pray for people, we value people's dignity. So when we pray for healing, we must remember that we're praying for real people, not just medical conditions. We must always treat them with patience and kindness. And if they're not immediately healed, it's not their fault. Sometimes we can get irritated. I'm guilty of that as much as the next person, but it's not their fault. Whatever happens, the person should always leave knowing that they have been loved both by us and by God. And in some ways, as described by the guy whose church set up healing on the streets, healing is actually a bonus. The main point is they go away. The person we've been praying for feels loved. Now, before I demonstrate the model, there may well be a question, which I've already touched on slightly, but has maybe already growing in your mind as I've been talking, which is, what if nothing happens? <clears throat> well, firstly, let's be expectant for all the reasons I've already given that something will happen. It's just it might not be what we expect. But there is a deeper question here. Sometimes complete healing happens immediately. Sometimes it happens over a period of time. Sometimes there's only partial healing. And sometimes healing actually doesn't seem to happen at all. Now, as we saw earlier, it's God's responsibility to do the healing, not ours. Jesus tells us to pray that God's kingdom comes, which means that it's not yet here in its fullness. Therefore, not everybody will be healed now. So why doesn't healing always happen immediately or at all? 
Well, I've seen a variety of reasons mentioned. Some say that God wants us to discover more about him and about who he is as we pray for healing and wait expectantly. Others say that healing is a process. And both of these can be true. But the best answer, I think, is that it is a mystery why God heals some people, but not others. Healing is about God's grace, not about whether he loves us as an individual, because he loves all of us, or whether we're one of his favorites, because he doesn't have any. We have to trust that God's timing is perfect. So even if nothing appears to happen, as Annie suggested, that doesn't mean it hasn't or it won't the day after. And it may be that some other type of healing, like emotional healing, has taken place rather than physical healing. We just don't know. But of course, we can always invite the person to come back for prayer so we can try again. On at least one occasion, Jesus had more than one go. I think that qualifies us to have at least 40 goes if necessary. But for me, I believe that God always wants to heal so that even if, he, even if we don't see healing in this life, we will be confident that we will see complete healing when his kingdom comes. And this is why we should expectantly pray for healing while we wait.